May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. Really glad you're here today uh, as we continue with our message series called Legends. Um, When I was in high school, one of my really good friends, who was extremely smart, by the way, um, when it came time to start applying for colleges, he applied to go to uh, Yale and Harvard and Princeton and Brown, a bunch of Ivy League schools. And honestly, he was smart enough. Like, I I thought he's absolutely going to get in. Uh, And his test scores were really high as well. Well, truth is, he didn't get in. He didn't get in. And the reason he didn't get in, one, because he wasn't smart enough, one, because he couldn't do the work, and it wasn't because, again, his test scores weren't high enough because they were. The reason he didn't get in was because his class rank and his high school grades weren't high enough. And the reason they weren't high enough was because he was the class clown. Like, I mean, he was really witty and he was smart and I mean, he was really funny, but definitely the class clown and goofed off a lot. So anyway, when he got his letter from Harvard saying that he didn't get it, I mean, he was really mad. He was extremely frustrated. And anyway, after he ranted about it for, you know, several days, he kind of, after a while, he kind of cooled down and he came to me and he said, said, huh, well, Mike, I guess God makes everything happen for a reason. I told him, I looked at him, I was like, God didn't keep you from getting into Harvard. You did that all on your own. I mean, you've goofed off for the last four years, and so you goofed up your chance to go. Don't blame God for your lack of hard work. Okay, I didn't say that, because that would be like so rude. (laughs) That would have been, I mean, seriously, that's terrible. But I thought it, okay? And, you know, and that, that's really, that's the danger with this, um, with this legend of everything happens for a reason. And, and when people talk about this, what they really mean is that God has a reason for causing everything to happen. And then if we'll just wait long enough, as God puts these giant jigsaw pieces of the puzzle of life into place, that we'll eventually understand why he did what he did. And the truth is, in my opinion, this is the most dangerous legend of all the legends in this series. And here's why. Because if we buy into this legend... That means that we buy into the premise that God has caused everything to happen in life that happens. And that somehow it's all a part of his plan and it's by his design and he caused it. And that kind of thinking can cause a great amount of mistrust between us and God. And honestly, it can drive people away from God. And it can drive them away in droves. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. For instance, think about the kid whose parents got divorced. And then some well-intentioned mom says to him, it's like, hey, honey, it'll be okay. God lets these things happen for a reason. And that kid walks away thinking, well, God's the one that caused my parents to get a divorce, and God took my daddy away. Or what about the parents 
who have a child that's born with autism or is blind or born with some other type of handicap. I mean, what about that? I mean, this legend could cause those parents to just simply abandon God because why would God do that to my son or to my daughter? Or what about the person who's raped? God's caused that? Or what about going bankrupt or being abused or contracting cancer? I mean, is all that a part of God's plan? Is that part of his cosmic design and that all those things happen for reasons that only he knows? I'm telling you, these are the kinds of things that people have a hard time reconciling with God. And they ultimately think, you know what? If all that is a part of God's plan for life, then he can keep it. They don't want any part of it. Well, like all legends, there's part of this that's true and part of this that's not true. It's just a legend. And so let's talk about what is true. So go and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. Here's what is true. What is true is this, is that God doesn't cause everything that happens, but he does work in everything that happens. God doesn't cause everything that happens, but he does work in everything that happens. Look, did God cause my high school friend not to go to Harvard? No. I mean, he did that all to himself. Did God cause your parents to get divorced when you were a kid? No, that was the choice that they made. Did God cause cancer or create an environment of abuse? No, those are products of just living in a world that has been tainted by sin. So why, so that begs the question, why do bad things happen in this world? Well, look, there are multiple answers why bad things happen in this world. Let me give you some of them. Here's the first. Sometimes they're a product of our own foolish choices. Sometimes bad things happen because they're just a product of our own foolish choices. Look, let's just be honest. Sometimes we do things that are just foolish and honestly just downright stupid. And they have bad consequences for our own lives. We have bad consequences for our decisions. And so look, you got to own it. At some point in time, you got to own the fact that you've done something and that's brought bad things into your life. So look, quit blaming other people. Quit blaming your mama and Barack Obama for everything that goes wrong. Just stop and own some of it yourself, okay? Here's another reason. Sometimes they're a product of choices that other people make. Sometimes they're a product of choices that other people make. Because look, God didn't cause them to do that. They did it all on their own. But unfortunately, you were hurt because of it. That's true with divorce. It's true with abuse. It's true with dishonest business deals. And it's true with adverse workplace decisions. All of those things are products of other people's choices. God didn't do that. Here's the next. Sometimes they're a product of the enmity between nature and man. Sometimes it's a product of the, the enmity between nature and man. I mean, if you honestly, have you ever noticed that mother nature has been in a bad mood ever since Adam ate the forbidden fruit? I mean, that's why we have hurricanes and droughts and tidal waves and uh, uh, earthquakes or tornadoes and such. All that is a product of the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. Now, you're going to have to go read that on your own because we just simply don't have time to cover it today. But look, let me also say this, give this qualifier. The truth is, 
is that there are instances, and biblically supported by the way, that God does sometimes bring about natural disaster for his own purposes. But it would be a huge reach to say that that happens every time. And it would be foolish to say so. Sometimes it just happens because there's enmity between nature and man. Next. Sometimes they're a product of our imperfect world. I'm talking about things like cancer, diseases, birth defects, those kinds of things. Look, we live in an imperfect world and it does affect us. All right? But that doesn't mean that God causes all of those things. Think about it like this. If cancer was a part of God's perfect plan. That means that there would be cancer in heaven because heaven is a place where God's perfect plan is always in force. There's no cancer in heaven. In heaven, we'll have perfect bodies and everything will be perfect. But let me say this, and here's your last bullet. But yet... There are some biblical examples where God does bring hardship to accomplish his purposes. I mean, God does bring some things to happen. I mean, think about Noah and the flood. God did that. Think about the 10 plagues in Egypt to rescue the Israelites out of Pharaoh's control. God did that. And sometimes God allows bad things to happen. I mean, think of what God allowed Satan to do with Job, if you know that story. And God allowed... Paul, the Apostle Paul, to have a physical infirmity that kept him humble for the rest of his life. So God does allow some things to happen. But look, here's the deal. It doesn't even matter the origin of what happens. It makes no difference whether it comes from God or from one of these other other sources. Because here's the deal. God is always at work in those situations. Look at this verse in Romans chapter 8. Verse 28, here's what the Bible says. It says, and we know that in all things, circle that phrase, in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The Bible doesn't say that God is responsible for all things, but it does say that he's at work in all things. And even when we make stupid decisions, God is at work. When other people make decisions that adversely affect us, God is at work. Even when nature takes its toll, God is at work. That's what it means. And more than that, the Bible says that he works those situations for good. Now look, don't misunderstand. He doesn't say that all situations are good. That is not what he says. He says that he can make good come from those situations. Now, And it might not seem good at the time, and it might take a long while before we can see the good that comes from it. But God can make good from it. That's that's what makes him God. That's why he is so amazing and so great. And honestly, this whole deal of misunderstanding that all situations are not good, but yet God makes good come from it, I think that's where we have such problems with this legend. Because honestly, good meaning people who just can't find an explanation for what's going on and so they, they, they just can't think of what else to say when we're going through something difficult or something is uh, somebody's going through a challenge, they'll say things like, you know, 
God has a reason for letting this happen to you. Or they'll say, God must think an awful lot of you to trust you with something like this. Those kind of comments don't help anybody. Don't say that kind of stuff. It's not even true. Because God very well might not have caused any of it. But the deal is, people just say that because they don't know what else to say. But here's what is true. God can and does work in every situation. He doesn't cause every situation. Okay. So what do I do? I mean, what, 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 does, that, what does that mean for me? Two things. Here's the first. First is, I need to thank God in my circumstances, not for my circumstances. I need to thank God in my circumstances, but not for my circumstances. Look what the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says this, it says, give thanks in all circumstances. Circle that word in, because this whole verse turns on that one word. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Underline, this is God's will for you. Now look, look at that part I had you circle, the word in. This verse does not say that I'm supposed to thank God for all my circumstances, does it? I mean, I'm not supposed to thank God for everything. God doesn't expect you to thank him for, you know, getting in debt. He doesn't expect you to thank him for being abused. He doesn't expect you to thank him for being fired. I mean, that, that would just be ridiculous. But what this verse does say is that in the midst of bad circumstances, you're to give thanks. Again, not for the circumstance, but while you're in it. You're supposed to thank God for what you can thank him for. And, incidentally, this is a command. Okay, This is not an option. It says it is God's will. Okay. Why would God command you and I to thank him for whatever we could thank him for while we're going through a hard time. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm going through a hard time, the last thing I want to do is start thanking God. When I'm going through a hard time I, and I'm miserable, I just want to wallow in it. Don't you? I mean, I just want to wallow in it. When I'm going through a hard time, I don't want to spend time thanking God. I want to spend time listening to sad country music, eating ice cream. Okay? That's what I would really rather do. Okay? But God doesn't command us to do that. He commands us to thank him. So why does God command you to thank him? Here's why. Because it will prevent you from becoming bitter, resentful, and depressed. It'll prevent you from becoming bitter, resentful, and depressed. And the truth is, you and I intuitively know that. Because when we see somebody going through a hard time, do you know what we tend to do? We tend to play the, it could always be worse game. When somebody's going through a hard time, we tend to play the, it could always be worse game. We're like, hey, you know, it could always be worse. You could have two broken legs. You know, it could always be worse. The second floor could have flooded too. But you know why when we're going through a hard time, when, do you know why when somebody else says those kinds of comments, you know why they're not even helpful to us? Because they don't come from us. They come from a third party who's not going through that circumstance. 
it's only helpful if it comes from the person that is going through the bad time. Because then out of their heart, they're basically trying to find something that they could be thankful for. Because they're saying, you know what? Yeah, you know what? It could always be worse. Because it could be da 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 And so God's basically saying this. He's like, look, it's almost like playing the it could always be worse game with yourself. Because no matter what circumstance you're in, he doesn't want you to give thanks for that circumstance necessarily, but while you're in the middle of it, give thanks for the things that you can give, be thankful for. And let me just tag this on as well. Check it out. If you aren't thanking God, you're disobeying God and you are outside of his will. Because look, this isn't just you know, good advice from a trusted friend to spend time thanking God. God says, this is his will for you. This is his command for you. He wants you to do it and expects you to do it. And do you know why? Because he knows it will do you a tremendous amount of good. It will prevent bitterness, resentment, and depression from setting up camp in your heart and in your life. Because you'll spend some time thanking him. That's what he wants us to do. But he does command you to do a second thing. Number two is this. I need to tell God, yes, I will follow you come what may. I need to tell God, yes, I will follow you come what may. Look at this verse. I mean, this verse is unbelievable. The prophet Habakkuk in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 writes this. He says, though the fig tree does not bud, And there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, get this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Wow. Let me ask you this. What would it take to get you to stop following Christ. Seriously. What would it take. To get you. To stop following. Christ. How firm. How solid is your commitment. Really. I mean in this passage. The prophet Habakkuk tells us. He says. Essentially. It doesn't matter to him. What happens. It doesn't matter. What comes along. He is not going to stop following, trusting, obeying, and rejoicing in the Lord. Come what may, it doesn't matter to him. You know, when Amy and I got married, um, this was actually like our verse for our wedding. I mean, I know it sounds really dumb having a verse like, all the stuff that could go wrong. Let's have that for our wedding. Let's do that. I know, it's a terrible verse for wedding, right? But, it, but for me and Amy, the reason that we chose it is because when we got married, we didn't know what we were going to go through. We didn't know what the good times were going to be or what the bad times were going to be. We didn't know what kind of disappointments we might face. We didn't know what discouragements might come our way. I mean, we had no idea what kind of heartaches that we might experience. We didn't know any of those things. But one thing that we did know was that no matter what happened, we weren't going to stop following the Lord. We weren't ever going to throw in the towel. 
There wasn't ever going to be anything that happened that would get us to quit. And honestly, like all couples, we've experienced some trying times, and we've had things not work out like we thought, not like we prayed, not like we wanted. I mean, all those things have happened to us. But through it all, our commitment to follow the Lord has never wavered. And you want to know why? Well, let me first tell you, it has nothing to do with being a pastor. I mean, being a pastor, I face all of the same temptations and pressures that everybody else faces. I mean, there is no, like, magic halo around my life, okay? That is not true. But you know why our commitment to the Lord has never wavered? It's because early on, we gave God our yes before we ever knew the question about what it would take to get us to stop following the Lord. For instance, will you, Mike, will you and Amy stop following me when your salary is cut by 45% in one year and you struggle financially? Yes, Lord, we'll keep following you. Mike, will you keep following me when you and Amy have your heart set on adopting a needy child and you are crushed when that door is slammed? Yes, Lord, we'll follow you. Will you and Amy still follow me when people steal money from you? Yes, Lord, we'll follow you. Will you follow me when people in the community lie about you and I ask you to remain silent and not defend yourself at all? Yes, Lord, we'll follow you. Will you follow me even when you have to endure the consequences of some of your own silly, nearsighted decisions? Yes, Lord, we'll follow you. Because here's the deal. All of those things have happened to us. All of them have happened to us. But the key is, is that we gave God our yes before we even knew the question. We told the Lord, come what may, we will never stop following you. No matter what happens. And no, everything in our lives has not been rainbows and unicorns. It hasn't. But the Lord has walked with us through it. And he has brought some good out of each of those circumstances. So let me ask you the question again. What would it take to keep you from following the Lord? What would it take to get you to stop following him? If your spouse walked out on you? If you were fired unjustly? you had a rebellious child if someone started spreading gossip about you even at the church if you went bankrupt and sometimes it's not even the big things that keep us from following the Lord sometimes it's the accumulation of a lot of little things sometimes it's Con- not consistently going to bed at a time on a Saturday night where you can have enough energy to get up and come to church in the morning. And so your church attendance is just more come and go. And you don't have that consistent encouragement along the way. Sometimes it's having a very low commitment to read your Bible every day. And so in the absence of reading it, you begin to dry up spiritually. Sometimes it's not 
investing in making friendships at small group and so that you become isolated from the family of God. And so sometimes it's the accumulation of those little things. And so where once that commitment to follow Christ burned bright and hot, over time it has dwindled almost to the point of being extinguished. What would it take to keep you from following God or to get you to stop following him? The key is you have to give him your yes before you know the circumstance, before you know the question. And now, for some people in this room, that's going to mean that you need to give him your yes to accepting Christ into your life. It has to start there. Because look, here's the deal. If you go back and read Romans eight twenty eight, that verse that we read at the very beginning of the service, God promises to work things out for good, but he only makes that promise to those who have made a commitment to follow his son, Jesus. God makes no such promise to those who are not Christ followers. And it's not because he doesn't love you. It's because that's just not his promise. And so the first step is to actually become a Christ follower. That means to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to do two things. To first forgive you, and then you pledge to follow him from that point forward. Look, that's why Jesus died on a cross. He died on a cross so that his death could pay the price for your sins so that you wouldn't have to pay that price yourself. And Jesus' offer to forgive you for everything means that he also expects you to follow him from that day forward. There's a lot of people that just want the forgiveness, but they don't want the commitment to follow him. Look, that's not the offer. That's not the terms. Jesus says, and God says, look, follow me. I I will forgive you for everything, but the expectation is that from that point forward, because you're grateful for all that I've forgiven you for for a lifetime and letting go to heaven when you die, the expectation is that you'll follow me from that day forward. Come what may. Have you made that commitment? Have you made that commitment to become a Christ follower? If you haven't, there's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. Would you look at that? If you've never prayed that prayer before, would you pray it this morning? Right now, get that issue settled first and give God your yes to following him by accepting his son's forgiveness. Now, for the rest of you that have already done that, the choice now is to say, okay, God, I'm giving you my yes and I will follow you and trust you come what may. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been so explicit to say, God, I will follow you, come with me. It doesn't matter what's around the bend. I know and trust you that you will work in those things for your plan and your good, but I will follow you, come what may. Have you done that? But look, this whole legend of everything happens for a reason, this is just a legend. It's not even true. Because here's the thing. God doesn't cause everything to happen. Sometimes we bring some things upon ourselves. Sometimes other people make decisions. Sometimes it's just that we live in an imperfect world. But here's the thing. I don't have, God doesn't expect me to give thanks for all that stuff. But in the midst of it, he expects me to. And he promises that he will work things in the long run for good for those that believe him. And now he is waiting for you.
He's waiting for you to start thanking him in the midst of those circumstances. Because that prevents bitterness and resentment and depression from taking hold of your life. And he's also waiting for you to give him your yes before you know the question. Would you be willing to do that today? I want you to go ahead and pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. I want you to check on the card the next step or steps that you're willing to take today. And maybe it's this first one. I will not blame God for the things in my life that have gone wrong. You're basically saying, you know what? I'm going to quit pointing my finger at heaven and blaming him, probably for things that he never did. Would you make that commitment? I'm telling you, it'll be so liberating for you. Maybe this next one. I will own the things in my life that are a result of my own choices. I mean, sometimes that's hard to admit, but once you admit that, I'm telling you, it will help you so much in making a commitment to follow him. Look at this next one. I commit to spend some time thanking God in my circumstances, not for them. Would you make that commitment? Just go spend some time thanking God for the things that you can thank him for. I'm telling you, it'll bring more joy to your heart than you've had in many dark days. I promise. Next. I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and then pledge your life to following him? If you've never prayed that prayer before, pray it now. Or if you have prayed it before, maybe you prayed it even earlier in the service today. I'm sorry, not if you've ever prayed it before, but if you prayed it today for the first time at any point in this service, then I want you to check that box. Because I want to send you some free stuff in the mail. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet. It's on a little table before you walk outside of any of these doors. Just snag one on your way out today. This next one. I'll memorize Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Awesome verse. Every Christ follower at some point in their life ought to memorize it. Do you have that one locked in word for word? If you don't, memorize it. It's an awesome verse. It'll, it'll be a life preserver for you. So great. Next. Here's the last one. I'm giving God my Yes. By committing to follow and trust him, come what may. That's huge. Man, I'm telling you, that is making the conscious decision to live by faith ahead of time. Are you willing to make that decision? Would you do that? Check that box. Let me pray for you as Pat and the worship team come back up. Father, I first want to say thank you for everyone that decided to come to church today on a spring break, on daylight savings time where we have to spring forward, on a rainy day. Lord, I ask that just for making their commitment to come today, God, that you would give every single person that came today a special blessing this week. I just ask you to do something great for them this week, something nice. But Lord, more than that, I pray for every person in this room that's a Christ follower that is willing to give you their yes today. God, that you would give them the courage to follow through with that. And that when those rainy days come, God, that they would continue to hold fast to you 
and hold fast to that commitment to follow you. That they would indeed give thanks in those circumstances to to prevent bitterness and resentment and depression from setting up camp. And so Lord, I ask that you would help us to trust you and follow you. Come what may. Thank you, Lord, and bring us all back safely next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.